questions further on? So as you get settled in with your coffee and your donuts and whatnot, um, I, I'm just going to keep going here this morning. But I, I think sometimes when we, we look at missions, um, we can kind of get bogged down on a couple of things and, and kind of have a, a few misconceptions about missions. And, and I think one is that it always requires us giving money. I think that's a misconception about missions that we might have, is it always requires us giving money. I think the other thing that we can sometimes misunderstand is that missions is only for people like our guest last week. We had a, a guest missionary came in and, and spoke. And we can sometimes think that it's only, you know, like, like the Eric's and, and the Mark's of the world that are supposed to go somewhere, and, and this, this, this book, if you get a chance to ever pick this book up, he talks about, you know, the weird-looking missionaries. Thank you very much, huh? <laughs> um, the the weird-looking missionaries, you know, it's only those strange, geeky people that go off and do missions. And that's really another misconception. Just ordinary, normal people like you and me. And so we can have those misconceptions. And so this book is, gives us a really fresh, insightful look on missions. And he compares it, again, one of the chapters in here of missions to a jelly donut. And I think it challenges us to look at missions a little differently. And so the author writes in, in this chapter, he says, the best jelly donuts are loaded with jelly. Now, now that you've eaten probably at least a bite or two, are you in agreement with that? The best jelly donuts are loaded with jelly. He goes on to say, you just look at them and they explode like a pastry grenade, he says. In fact, there's no greater disappointment than buying a jelly donut, biting into it, and getting nothing but a dry donut in your mouth. Every bite should be saturated with gooey goodness. It's the true nature of a jelly donut, he says. He goes on to then say as well, today a lot of churches don't think about a jelly donut when they think about missions. Now we probably didn't before today either, right? Instead, they think about a pie. Missions is just another program or activity of the church. What type of thinking does it, what this type of thinking does is creates a separation in our minds and lives about what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be missional. And I think that in part this has been true to a certain extent of our church. And I'm certainly not saying we haven't given to missions because we, we certainly have. And I'm certainly not saying that it's your fault. In fact, I'll take responsibility at least for the last six months. But I believe that God's wanting to change this. And so through a number of insights that I have gained an even greater understanding of what I believe God wants missions to look like here in Hill City Assembly God. And I must say that I am excited about what I feel like he's, he's asking us to step into because I believe it's going to be that sweet smelling sacrifice that's acceptable and pleasing to God. And so I want to share with you with the, the desire that we as a church will be launched into a whole clearer 
perspective of what missions can actually look like. I think it all starts with gratitude. I think missions all starts with gratitude. In Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, Luke tells us about a couple of ladies. So starting with verse 1, it says, Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. And among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Why did these women give? I believe because of a heart of gratitude. They'd been cured of evil spirits and diseases. If God cured you from a disease, would you be grateful? If God released some demons from your life, would you be grateful? I would hope so. I think it'd be life transforming. And so I suggest to you, if God has set us free and given us new life in Christ, supplying the greatest need that we have, shouldn't we be grateful? Shouldn't we be developing hearts of gratitude? And then out of that gratitude, shouldn't we be willing to give? As followers of Jesus, he gave us the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Say, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Great Commission with a promise. Now, a commission is a command, instruction, duty. And, of course, this passage is telling us to be missions-minded. And I like how the author, again, of, of, of our book here, picture this. This is what he says about the Great Commission. He says, as far as making the disciples, he says, As you live your life, whatever you say or do or end up becoming, help people follow Jesus. Have your existence, no matter who or what you do, ooze the life and mission of Jesus. Of course, this requires us to invest in others. Investing time, resources, talent, yes, sometimes finances. It's rarely easy, even probably less so convenient. But when we remember what Christ did for us, the sacrifice that he made, I believe that we will be compelled to partner with him in missions. We'll have a heart of gratitude to obey, to do what he asks us to do, and the Lord will be with us, he says, in it. Gratitude, obedience, and trust. I know sometimes we can allow our lack of trust to get in the way. I can be just as much at fault. We start to question. We wonder, will we have enough finances? 
will we have enough time? And back to what Armitage says in his book, he says, in regards to our giving to missions as an investment. He says, money wouldn't be something we would hold on to or try to hoard any longer if we have this missions mindset he's talking about. Giving to missions would no longer mean our own piece of the pie is smaller. Rather, it would be a chance to be radical, revolutionary, acts of generosity and grace would accompany it. See, as we understand kingdom investing, we understand that we're storing up treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, where thieves can't break in and steal. As we give, we're investing in God's kingdom. Paul knew that the church in Philippi gave sacrificially when they sent him that offering through Epaphroditus. But if God asks you to give, he's going to take care of you. Look back at, at Philippians if you have your Bibles, and we'll pick it up with verse 19. Okay, and Pat does have it up on the screen. It says, Paul wrote, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God is trustworthy in all his promises. It may not look like we expect. It may not arrive when we think that it should. But nevertheless, he will supply all of our needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. You may feel like I do where time is that most precious commodity and there never seems to be enough of it. But I believe the solution to being concerned about whether you're going to have enough time is just determining that you're going to be responding when God asks you to go do something. You just order your day around what it is that God wants you to be doing. It's also having that missional mindset. In recognizing that not everybody's going to be called to vocational mission, be a vocational missionary but that a missional mindset is having a willingness to be inconvenienced in our day when the Lord places an opportunity. And that opportunity is usually going to be an individual in our path, whatever that might be. See, when we give with a heart of gratitude, out of obedience, as we trust in God, it will change the way we look at missions. I also believe that it promotes a maturity within the church. If you look at Paul and the churches that he wrote letters to, we'll just look at those anyway, in his missionary travels. Churches in Corinth, Thessalonica, Galatia, Colossae, Ephesus, Rome, and Philippi. Those are, are the churches that he wrote letters to. And if you read these letters, you're going to find that something is missing from the church in Philippi. Not once did Paul have to correct their doctrine. Not once. Did he warn them? Yes, he warned them. Did he uh, encourage them? Yes, he encouraged them. But he never had to correct their doctrine. They didn't waver in what the apostle had taught them. They stayed steadfast in the teaching, that sound biblical teaching that Paul had given them. And they lived out the great commission given by Christ. 
the Philippian church understood the value of investing in missions. More than once, they gave out of gratitude for what God had done in sending Paul to share the gospel with them. And because of this gratitude, they wanted to support Paul and the work that God was doing through them. And I believe that as a church, if we grow in our missions mindset, the Lord will help us keep the unity and the like-mindedness. He's also going to help us to continue to keep right doctrine in our church as well. It's going to mature us as a body of believers. We are always going to give to world missions, supporting various missionaries and missions, organizations like Samaritan's Purse. In fact, we'll be having our our boxes out real soon as, as it's that time of year already. But we fill the boxes with, with gifts for kids. They get sent all over the world. Some of them go overseas. The majority do go overseas. But my understanding, there are some that do end up staying in the States. And this is one thing that we'll always do as a church, as long as it's available. We also have given to, obviously, many missionaries um, across the world that they have the opportunity to go and share the good news of Christ. We also have supported, um, to some degree, um, Destiny Rescue. I just got an update from them this past week and sent a letter of another young lady that was set free from sex trafficking. Those things, when we give to those things, they're a sweet offering, a sweet-smelling offering to Christ. Just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told us, at least recorded in Acts 1-8 for us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As a church, we're always going to be global-minded in missions. The ends of the earth, our world missions, giving is a sweet-smelling offering. No dry crustiness there. We also invest in the Gazelle family in the treetop farm. They pour love and hope into kids from trailer parks all around the metro area, teaching them the value of life and demonstrating God's love to them. This is kind of our Samaria. Yes, and again, another sweet-smelling sacrifice. Hill City and our surrounding communities are our Jerusalem and Judea. And the reality is, as I thought about this, we're probably more missions-minded than we think. What do I mean by that? Our kids' club, Monday after school, a program where we invest in four-year-olds all the way up to fifth grade. Some of those kids, this is the only time that they hear the word of God. This is the only time where they maybe get that hug that they're needing. We're reaching into their lives. Many of them do not attend this church. In fact, the majority do not attend this church. We also have our uh, legacy. Again, I touched on that earlier this morning, our ministry to our area seniors. We want them to know that they have value. We want them to be able to come together and, and share a meal and fellowship with one another. We always thank them for their contribution to our communities. 
they still have value, even though this is our society today wants to, to tell older people, you know, life has passed you by. We don't believe that here. We believe our seniors have great value, and we want to honor them by inviting them to come in and share a meal together. Our youth group, Don touched on that this morning. Nine kids consistently these last two Sunday or two Wednesdays. Most of them are neighborhood kids finding a place where they're accepted and loved on. They're learning about God. Last week they talked about his creation. And some of these kids are hearing about God for the very first time. That's a sweet-smelling sacrifice to the Lord. Our community meals are a way to not only, well, I'll say to feed the hungry, but it's not just food that some of the people are coming for. It's community. It's fellowship. It's meeting a need for some people who just don't have relationships with a lot of people and they can come and spend time together. So we feed people in a lot of different ways. You might be wondering, well, how can I get involved in this? You, you've tasted a little piece of, of missions this morning, that gooey stuff. Is it going to be messy? Yes, it, it's going to probably be pretty messy. <laughs> but I think about a, a, a pastor who shared um, at a conference one time. And, and somebody had apparently invited some, some uh, well, ladies of the night into a church service. And they came. And they all lined up in the front row, appropriately dressed for what it is that they did. And some of the older church ladies were absolutely aghast. And one lady came up to the pastor after this. She says, what are, what are we going to do? And the pastor shared, well, these ladies don't have anything else to wear, and they, it's a good thing that they came, and that was all true and all of that stuff. And she says, well, I guess we're just going to have to love them. <laughs> That's the kind of outlook we want to have. We want to have people come in that don't know Christ. They're not going to maybe dress like Maybe we think they should dress. They might not smell like maybe we think they should smell. They probably aren't going to talk like we think maybe they should be talking. But wow, if we can show them Christ's love, that's going to be a sweet-smelling sacrifice to the Lord. The reality is, though, and Pat and Brenda and I got a chance to take in a little teaching the other week and the reality is, though, most often people aren't going to come here. We have to go there. So we were resourced with some gifts that we're going to be putting, actually the teens on Wednesday night are going to be preparing. There's some Apple Jacks, some flatbread townhouse crackers, some little bear clawed danishes, a, a dinner dinner hero, um, skinny pop. And then, of course, we're going to include a thank you. And these are going to be dropped off at the school for our teachers, for our janitors, for those in the kitchen, 
just as a thank you for what it is that they do. And you might wonder, well, why in the world would we do that? A thank you goes a long ways. If we can convey a thank you to someone for what they do, even if they get paid for it, that doesn't matter. We still appreciate what they're doing, their contribution to our community. And it helps us to build a bridge. It helps us to form relationships. It helps us to serve. And those are the key things about missions, is serving and building those relationships. And so if you want to get in on writing thank you notes, um, we're going to be doing that at 3 o'clock this Wednesday. The youth are going to load up the buckets um, that evening, and then I'm not 100% sure how we're distributing these 40-some buckets, but we'll make it happen. Um, be, be on the lookout for, for maybe a phone call. Um, I may ask if you've got a, a SUV vehicle that we could load up. But we want to be able to start building these relationships with people in our community. We're also looking at some other things. Um, we want to bless our um, bus drivers. We want to bless our city workers. Just opportunity to be able to start building those relationships because we know that relationship then gives those people a place to go when life isn't as it ought to be. And they know that we have something that helps us stay steady in storms of life. So we want to give those opportunities. Our vision at Hill City Assembly of God Church is to live out that all people matter to God and that Christ's message and ministry through the local church is the hope of the world. That's what our vision is. A vision is something that we're working towards. That's what we want to be about. So what if we took how we looked at missions to a whole other level? What if... As a church, we were intentionally mission-minded about everything that we do. As we seek to fulfill the great commission of making disciples given to us by, by Christ himself, that, that great commission, what impact will this have on today? What impact is this going to have on generations to come? What impact is this going to have for all of eternity? See, I believe as we grow into a church that out, looks outward even more, that as we are mission-minded in everything that we do, God will do even greater things to this church. So I hope that the jelly donut helps seal that concept that every bite of the donut that was gooey is kind of like missions being throughout everything that we do here at Hill City Assembly of God, that it's given us that fresh intentionality about what we do. One last thought from, from Armitage. He says, we'll start looking at our communities differently and realize that there's so much that the church can offer. We'd really be salt and light to our world as we look to improve how its inhabitants live now and change where they will spend eternity as we introduce them to Jesus by showing them his love. We'd let people belong before they believe, accepting people regardless of their scars, their baggage, their preferences, or their sins. 
You see, the church in Philippi's missions offering to Paul was a sweet-smelling sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God, because it came from a heart of gratitude, out of obedience as they put their trust in God. Likewise, when we give with a heart of gratitude, out of obedience, as we trust in God, it's going to change the way that we look at missions too. And we will experience joy. Joy in a sweet-smelling sacrifice. Now, does this mean that I'm going to ask for missions pledges or for you to increase your missions giving? No. But I would ask that when God asks you to give, that you'd give out of a heart of gratitude, out of obedience, as you trust in God, whether it be in your tithe, whether it be in other offerings, whether it be in your time or your talents, whether it be in within the church, whether it be in your community, wherever God asks you to give, wherever he asks you to go, respond. That's what I'm asking. And do it as a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. One last verse from Philippians this morning. Verse 20. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. That's who we want to receive the glory when we give to missions. We want all the glory to go to God. Now, you will notice while this is a beautiful representation of what I want missions to look like in our church, I have a great aversion to donuts. Pat said it'd be great if I could just eat a couple of bites. Don't think I can do it. The reality is, though, some of you might think the same thing about missions. You have a great aversion to missions. It's probably because you've never participated in it. Maybe you just don't know what that means for you. I encourage you, just be obedient. Whatever it is that God asks you to do. And if you've come up with a fantastic idea of a way that we can minister to our community, I always encourage people to share it. If we can do it and it fits with our philosophy here, that's fantastic. So, There's our summer road trip through Philippians. I hope you have an insightful perspective of missions this morning. All right. We're going to close in prayer, but if you came in this morning and you had a prayer need on your heart, or you realized you want a a, a more expanded understanding of missions and you just want to seal that in prayer, or maybe God spoke to you some way this morning, We want to make sure that you have opportunity to pray with the prayer team. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word that clearly demonstrates your heart for missions, your heart for the lost, and that you call your body, the body of Christ, the local church, to be about missions right where they are with whatever resources they have, whether that be time, finances, talents, ways they can serve, whatever it is, we can partner with you in it. 
And so, God, as we as a body of Christ want to look at missions as being everything that we do, we see the value in it as we serve, as we pray, as we give, as we invest. Lord, will you take what we offer and expand it, making that missions jelly just ooze through everything, impacting lives for all of eternity? And may it be a sweet-smelling sacrifice unto you and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.